The Witch Doctor, a serial fiction podcast based in the Fallen Cycle universe, written and read by Aquanimous Rex, edited by James Curcio. You can find more episodes at aquanimousrex.com or fallencycle.com, where you can find a variety of other Fallen Cycle projects. And now, The Witch Doctor, Episode 5. The Riverside Gate was flooded with townsfolk, all scrambling around the edges of the hastily erected market, eager for trade. The crowd oozed with anticipation. Artemis thought she could smell their desperation. The convoy was one of the few surprises Noelites actually looked forward to. Their home was the last stop on a dangerous route. These traders specialized in navigating the rivers of the territories, and territory folk were glad to have them. The convoy's arrival meant gunpowder, fasteners, tools, and any number of other objects manufactured in the domus that the town could not produce itself. The traders brought dried fruit, though most could not afford it. They sold preserved meats, cut from animals less warped than wilder stock. The thought made the sheriff's mouth water. All you can eat, or all you can afford, she thought. She usually couldn't. Lied and told herself she preferred the gamey taste of muty deer. Besides, everything tastes the same when you wash it down with vodka. She ignored the tinge of self-pity. Wooden stalls went up in a matter of minutes. Crates were unloaded, barrels rolled carefully down the gangways onto shore. The hemp fields stood tall in the background. The sun had begun to set, casting long shadows. Two cows were goaded into Noel, mooing and snorting. Their smell, earthy and fecal, reached Artemis's nose. Gracious hosts moved to give the beasts drinking water, desperate to be the first to purchase fresh dairy. Filtered, eh? A trader asked a territory woman, who nodded and reassured him. Artemis walked outside the mob, along its boundaries, observing the hubbub. She saw the trading convoy anchored to shore. The convoy was made up of a dozen or so canoes, along with a solitary barge. The canoes were odd, hybrids, and had been outfitted with small hand-sewn sails. The barge, many times larger, overshadowed the canoes. It looked to be powered solely by a group of muscular, sunburnt rowers. No engines here. The rowers were making their way down the wooden gangway at this moment, Artemis saw. Shore leave. Going to drink with the locals a bit. A word, a name, was painted onto the side of the barge's hull. The Y.W. Sophia. From this angle, the sheriff could see down into her hold. It looks like a bucket. A big rectangular bucket. I'm surprised it hasn't sunk yet. The boat consisted mainly of one long stretch of deck, sunk down beneath the gunwales, full of cargo. This was the barge's hold and rowing deck. The planks of wood that served as floor to the rowers looked stained. A murky rainbow of oil, grog, ash, and blood. The boat gave Artemis the impression of a floating scab. The hull hadn't been scraped in some time, evidenced by the clumps of parasitic fish clinging to the outside of the barge's bow. When hauled ashore afterwards, their sharp-toothed mouths would hang open as they asphyxiated, slack and full of festering river detritus. 
Though many wearers were now already ashore, the hold was still half full of containers. They were tied down with rope, crude stitched oilskins covering them. The barge's sides gave enough room to allow a slim walkway around port and starboard. Cone-shaped gun embrasures were carved through the sides of the hold. Black powder residue stained them from many battles. Artemis could see the crew carried weapons. They didn't hide it. A few held long guns, crudely machined, muskets and rifles. The rest made do with what they had at hand. A pike rack was visible amid the cargo, as were caches of arrows. When one of the men glanced up at her, she turned away from the boats and started walking towards the traders. She didn't miss a beat. Avoiding the attention of armed outsiders was second nature. She had brought meat for trade, stuffed inside a weeping bag. Across an arm she carried tanned hides. You never knew what a convoy might bring. They seemed to have a knack for showing up at the moment of peak desperation. Today, she needed iron. Good iron. Her supply of bolts had dwindled over the past months, and she was reluctant to approach the local coppersmith for subpar replacements. The traders were already setting out goods for sale and trade. Noahites lined up with their meager possessions. A few even clutched the ratty-looking notes used as money in the territories. It took Artemis a moment to spot the dozen dagger men that accompanied the traders. They stood apart, neither helping nor getting in the way. Their masks were matte black, allegedly made of bulletproof material, with two eye holes and a circular cluster of smaller holes where the mouth ought to have been. Many had their masks pulled back, trying to find respite from the heat. The ones who wore them still looked inhuman. Each dagger man, true to their name, bore a foot-long dagger on their belts. Their leather armor were uniformly emblazoned with the monogram of the devout painted in white. Several had rifles, semi-automatic, while others holstered various sidearms. Artemis noticed another group of six dagger men climbing down the gangways of the barge onto the sandy river shore. Three more stood next to the Noel water filters, which had been dragged down to the side of the river. Its machinery wheezed and clanked while a few Noelites spun their hand cranks. Strange, isn't it? asked an older woman, who Artemis did not immediately recognize. The name's Gertie, she said. You've seen me around, I'm sure. Don't get out much these days. She pointed to a knee. Bad legs, bad back, bad neck, ha! Huh? Artemis smiled, a false, polite smile, and turned back. The old woman, no, middle-aged Artemis saw despite the wear of the world, continued to speak. Strange how the Domus only ever seems to show up to collect taxes. The second you need them for protection, they're as slippery as snakes. Never raised a shitting hand when the wolves came. Funny. It's damn funny how that works. Taxes. The explanation didn't sit quite right with Artemis. The devout always took their own boats up the river. Gasoline-chugging behemoths. Not hand-rowed barges, not sail canoes. This explanation sat heavy in her head, however. It did not seem to fit quite right. There was an aura of unease. The way the traders kept glancing back at the dagger men. How the dagger men stared pointedly at them all. Where's the administrator? Artemis asked, almost surprised to get an answer. Lord, hell if I know, Gertie responded. 
probably sitting on his ass, reading some book. Who knows how that man manages to waste his day? Artemis bid her good day and pushed her way through the crowd. As she moved to get a better view, she could hear commotion. Get off, shrieked a man, clearly in his autumn years, struggling to get something from one of the traders. They were playing tug-of-war with a bottle of liquor. The traitor, who outweighed the Noelite he fought, heaved the bottle away. Defeated, the Noel man fell to the ground and began to sob. His long, greasy hair and beard were covered in grime, not all of it from the fall. Artemis recognized him at last. Abram, she yelled, get over here. The man looked up, smoothed his broad mustache and farted. It was impossible to be sure, his face reddened from the day's alcohol abuse. But Artemis thought he might have been blushing. But, Sheriff, he started. No buts, she said, pronouncing each word clearly and with edge. Abram began to rise when a jackbooted foot flew out from the shadows and landed in the man's kidney. Abram groaned and fell over and Artemis saw a dagger man masked down poised to launch another kick. His mask showed only eyes, which were wide and red with malice. Artemis rushed him without a thought, dropping her skins and rope as she slid alongside. She slipped one hand under the dagger man's raised knee, placed another across his mask and pushed with all of her might. He fell backwards, landing in the dirt with a hard thump. When he tried to stand, Artemis planted a foot against his chest and sent him sprawling. The commotion set the other daggermen running. Most wielded their namesakes, but the ones with firearms cocked their hammers back and glanced around at the crowd, suspicious of them all. A wheedling voice piped up in the hush. From the direction of Main Street, Edmund Plord came waddling, all the while crying, Stop! Stop this instant! Cease! Desist! A hunched man in thick robes walked beside him, a man Artemis did not recognize. The dagger men looked at one another, and then at the robed man, who said nothing. Stop! Stop! I... Oh! You have, the administrator stuttered. Good, good well, he stared at Artemis. What exactly is it you've gotten into this time, Miss Koganos? Starting fights again? Artemis glared at him, opened her mouth to speak, but was cut off. No excuses, no excuses, please. The administrator turned to the robed man beside him. I am so sorry, brother. I don't know what has come over them. This, this vagrant was trying to steal my booze. The traitor who had been wrestling with Abram shouted angrily. Several of the other traitors muttered agreement. Prophet's ass, Abram yelled. He's a cheat. He has my silver dollar. The administrator walked up to the trader, pointedly ignoring Abram's protests, and placed a wad of local currency in his hand. Good for anything you might want in town, Plord explained, and pointed to the Ratskeller. There's a lot of uh, entertainment to be had here. He turned to the rest of the traders. Let no one tell you otherwise, he shouted, a big smile on his face, sweat dripping down his temples. Everyone remained silent. The traitor looked content enough with the money, but made no motion. The dagger men stood in rigid attention, facing the robed figure. A crooked hand emerged from his robes and waved them all back. The dagger men reholstered their weapons and resumed their place behind the traitors. Then, without comment, 
The figure turned and walked towards Main Street. Administrator Plor turned and whispered to Artemis, It would be prudent to keep your head down, Miss Kokonos. She saw fear in his eyes and her fists unclenched. She hadn't realized they were balled into fists, ready to strike. Plord disappeared, following the robed figure. Who the hell is that? Artemis heard a man ask, and the crowd fell into whispers. She turned, gathered up her fallen goods, and moved to leave. Hey, a voice called behind her. The sheriff shot a look back at the unmasked dagger man who pointed at her hat. Nice badge. Shit. She had forgotten the badge. Like Frank Callis said at the Ratskeller, there weren't any more sheriffs. Not since the wars. Should have expected dags. Always expect dags. She ignored the man, walking down the line of stalls. Trade was recommencing now that the commotion had passed. The dagger man followed her, on the vendor's side. Hey, I said nice badge! He shouted, joking demeanor dropped. Look at me, bitch! Her chest tightened. Unloading her goods wasn't worth it. She was lucky Plord had stepped in when he had, she knew, and she wasn't going to press it further. She had to get away, had to duck out somehow. Something caught her eye, just as she turned to disappear in the crowd. A pale blue something, sitting on the ground beneath one of the stalls. Not even hearing the dag's words, she bent down, and she saw the object was a tiny shoe. A child's shoe. The pale blue of wild roses, the kind that only grew in the wilder. Something outsiders would not have. She ducked between two vendors and scooped it up. It was small, but not so small as to belong to a toddler. Far too small for most adults. Where did you get this? Artemis demanded of the vendor closest to her. When he ignored her, she grabbed his shirt and shook him violently. Where did you get this shoe? The vendor pulled himself away and shouted, You fucking know a lot of batshit, dirt trash, get the hell away from me. Ma'am, back away from the vendor. The dagger man's voice was now muffled. When she looked, she saw the mask, the flash of his partially drawn blade. She held the shoe up and it flopped in the air as she spoke. This is a child's shoe, dyed with flowers only we have. We have two missing children. I want to know where he got this shoe. Ma'am, it's just a shoe, she interrupted him. The hell it is. It is dyed. You already said about the dye. Well, if you listen... The dagger man pulled his weapon the rest of the way out of its sheath. It was steel, double-edged and well-maintained. He held the blade in a saber grip and took a fighter's stance. Return the stolen property now, ma'am. I will not repeat myself. They stood deadlocked for a moment, not a flicker of movement. She dropped the shoe and the dagger relaxed. I'll pay for it. She blurted at the vendor, and his eyes lit up, but then turned suspicious. How much? He asked, waving the dag away. I'll give you meat, she offered, holding her bag out for his inspection. Pass, he replied. But I will take that badge. Pass, she answered. Two hides and meat. The vendor seemed to consider, but replied, Pass, the badge or nothing. He looked at her with an unctuous smile. You're not the law why you need it. Sentimental value. She did not return his smile. The badge or nothing, the vendor repeated. He's fucking with me, she thought. God damn it, Artemis, why'd you have to grab him like that? But badge or nothing, he said a third time, looking over at the dagger man who had neither removed his mask nor departed. Artemis glowered. Fine. Deal. Artemis unpinned the badge, not even looking at it as she swapped him for the shoe. Where'd you get this shoe? She asked, examining it. No clue, the man said. It's not mine. Not your shoe. Nope. 
Artemis closed her hands, cracking her knuckles. She took a big breath and exhaled slowly. So why'd you sell it to me if it isn't yours? Because I don't like you. You're rude. He was getting smug. I mean, if it belongs to another vendor, they won't be liking you selling it very much, she said. This made him chuckle. Lady, I know every piece of merch we got, it ain't any of ours. He waved a hand dismissively at the crowd of Noelites around them. Could have been any one of these kids lost a shoe, finders, keepers, not like anyone gives a shit. I'm surprised you lot wear shoes at all. Artemis turned and left. She had a few parents to talk to. Hey folks, it's me, Aquanimus Rex. You just listened to episode 5 of The Witch Doctor. To all the listeners, thank you for taking the time out of your day to give this podcast a chance. Serial fiction podcasts are an underrepresented subgenre of the medium, and seeing that so many of you enjoyed the content we're producing is very exciting. I'm still getting into the swing of things, now that I'm back in the narrator's seat, and I appreciate you all sticking around despite the change. A very special thank you to the various patrons of the show. Your support helps cover the costs accrued by this project, and it is appreciated. If you're interested in getting a shout-out on the show, like the one we had for a Patreon pledger in the fourth episode, that's last episode, consider pitching a few bucks into the Patreon. Other rewards include a fantastic, truly superbly made enamel pin of the show's logo, addition to a patrons-only private Facebook group and Discord chat adminned by myself, and access to hours of non-canon first-draft podcast episodes and your very own patron RSS feed. You can find the podcast's Patreon at patreon.com slash witchdoc. The Witch Doctor is part of a transmedia collaborative project called The Fallen Cycle Mythos. The Mythos includes original music, books, comics, and a lot of other stuff is in the works. If you like The Witch Doctor, consider perusing some of our other projects. You can find all current Fallen Cycle projects at fallencycle.com. There, you can also find issues 1 through 5 of Blackout, a comic series written by James Curcio and myself. That's right, issue 5 is out. Blackout is what happens when we can never go offline and never wake up. Bleak Isolation, Gonzo Excess, and Android Dreams, nameless characters awaken to stillborn days and wrestle with the inevitability of Cthulian madness. FallenCycle.com has these projects and more. The music in this episode was created by James Curcio, P. Emerson Williams, and Scott Landis. If you like what you heard, check out the Fallen Cycle Bandcamp at fallencycle.bandcamp.com and P. Emerson Williams Panic Machine at digital.panicmachine.com.